The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is sponsored by UnityVillage.org. Songwriter Karen Drucker returns to Unity Village with A Woman's Time Out Retreat, September 19th to 22nd. Learn more at UnityVillage.org forward slash events calendar. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the executive minister and Senior Assistant Minister and Director of the Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. We're in the midst of celebrating our 65th anniversary as a church. In October of 1956, uh, the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman started Christ Universal Temple, and 65 years later, we're still dedicated to teaching people how to live better better lives through this practical Christianity, through this practical New Thought Christianity that we teach. Today, I have a guest that was just on a few weeks ago, and we had such a great time. We said, hey, let's do this again. So today I have as my guest, the Unity Scholar, author, minister, and all-around good guy, the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck. How are you doing there, uh, Dr. Hasselbeck? Galen, I'm just fine. And you know, with me, I like to be introduced with my titles, but then it's Paul from there on, okay? Got it, got it. So, uh, and I know I got you with the all around good guy, but it's a, but it's true. So, um, <laughs> I, I, I'll take that. All right. All right. So, today I wanted to pick up, we last, the last um, episode that you were on, we talked about unity and the course of miracles. And in the midst of that, we really started to do a deeper dive into the principles of unity. And I wanted to pick back up on those basic principles, but focus on three particular things, prayer, prosperity, and healing. And how does unity teach prayer, not only teach, but apply prayer, healing, prosperity and healing. So I wanted to just start with prayer. From your perspective, how does unity teach and apply prayer? Wow, we could probably do 10 programs on this, Galen. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So, yeah, yeah. So prayer, uh, so first of all, let me start out that, that unity prayer, uh, for me, is so distinct from traditional prayer that even the use of the word prayer is misleading in some ways. We talk about uh, unity prayer being affirmative prayer. That's true. And uh, not beseeching prayer. That's true. Because we don't believe in an entity or a deity that's outside of us that's controlling us like a great puppet master. We believe the divine is totally within us, and it's totally everywhere else, too. 
I think I used the quote last, last week, Eric Butterworth said something like, God is spirit, present in its totality at every point in space at the same time. So, so the divine is within us, but it's not a being, it's not an entity, it's these, it's, it's principle, essentially, what Myrtle and Charles said. And principle can be thought of as principles and laws. And so when we're doing affirmative prayer, we're claiming what is already true in the divine, in our divinity. And we're claiming it from the perspective of our humanity, from our personality. And so we, we claim truth through affirmation, basically, as not as a way to make something true, but claiming what is already true in the divine. And by doing that, we're asserting our authority to, to be in the process of making it true now in our relative human existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles was great um, with, with quoting the Bible and from Matthew 28, 18, he said, Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me in the realm of divine mind and on earth. Well, Jesus actually said, <laughs> in the realm of heaven and earth. Where heaven is the realm of divine mind and earth uh, is sense consciousness or human consciousness. And Charles said, we should claim the same thing that Jesus claimed. And so we need to step into our authority over every principle or every divine idea and over our own human consciousness. And so that is what makes unity prayer so unique. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I can remember uh, Paul when I first came to Christ Universal Temple and um, Johnny Coleman would say, get up off your knees begging. <laughs> and she would say it with such strength and passion. Because, That's you right. know, you know, she, she was shocking people, especially in the African-American community of Chicago, which was primarily Baptist or Pentecostal. When I was growing up, we called that sanctified. Yeah. And, you know, so she would get up off your knees begging, you know, you know, claim it, speak the word, talk yeah. to the universe like you mean it. I mean, she was so passionate about it, almost like a, a fussing adult trying to get a child to understand something and but it, what yes. it would do is would, it would shock people out of their old ways of thinking i could even remember um uh i was going through some archive information i've actually never released this it was uh some old tv shows of reverend coleman she used to have put the services in the early 80s she would put the services on different stations in the midwest and she she got on the uh, in her pulpit at the old building and said, you know, when you pray, do you think that it leaves you? Basically, like that prayer is not leaving you. She's like, God is not answering your prayer. And she started teaching about consciousness. And yep. even in a New Thought Church, and I'm not saying it directly the way, or, or I'm not sta- stating it dire- exactly like she stated it, but this the gist it was silence in the church when she started talking, even in a new thought church. So, I, I you know, believe it. Go ahead. Excuse me. Yeah, I, I, I believe that because, because uh, in a lot of our new thought churches, this very fundamental idea that's been taught 
for decades never really penetrate into our New Thought churches. One of my favorite quotes from uh, Charles Fillmore and, and Cora in the book that he wrote with, um, with his wife, Cora, Teach Us to Pray, Charles says we are to pray vehemently, vehemently. And, of course, if, I'm sure you were taught like I was as a kid, you bow your head, you get on your knees, you talk softly. And my image is that, well, yeah. I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to beseech God, but I want to talk too loud because I don't want to wake him up or disturb him. You know? <laughs> and there's no disturbing principle. There's claiming it with authority. Right. And, and sometimes when I pray with people, they're shocked at how strongly I pray. Yes, yes. And, you know, it's just kind of funny how I think, you know, as you say, principle is principle. It doesn't make a difference who's applying the principle, because I sometimes think people in metaphysics, I call it new thought elitism, think that that because they understand prayer differently, that they can get different results. But if a person believes whether they are atheist, agnostic, Pentecostal, Baptist, Hindu, Muslim, Jewish, whatever, if you can can't hold it in consciousness what you're desiring the universal law can fulfill it and uh you know this i grew up with a sanctified grandmother and she would have she would pray and she would get results she didn't know anything about new thought charles Fillmore, ernest holmes emmett fox or anybody but she had exceptional conviction that got her out of jim crow mississippi or my grandfather to chicago to start lives. So for me, prayer really matters because I grew up around a person who prayed a lot. And as I started to go into new thought and I was talking to her about some things, I realized she had a lot of the same convictions, but she didn't have the language or the information to match it. Have you met that as well as you've been teaching people? People have a basic understanding at their level, they are new thought-ish but they don't have the language and they haven't been exposed to the information? Well, I think, I think that's definitely true. And what, what you're talking about there is your grandmother having conviction. Conviction is what we can do with the power of faith, the principle of faith, or the, you could call it the divine idea of faith. Whenever we are in conviction, we are using that principle, whether you know it or not. Yes. Yes. So when uh, you're working with people with prayer, you're saying, again, you're praying so strongly with such conviction and it shocks people. Uh, from your experience, do people tend to drift back to their default settings mentally around prayer? Or do you feel as though people tend to drift toward um, the word I like spiritual mind treatment? Uh, yes. uh, as yes. understood in the New Thought movement. Yes, so so I think people, uh, so often what happens, because uh, I'm not actually leading a congregation every week, uh, when people come to me for teaching, I, I give them it straight as I understand it, and, of course, around prayer. And so so they get it while they're in the classroom or the workshop I'm doing. And then they go back to their home church, and what they hear, sometimes from the platform, 
sometimes from the prayer chaplain, is a a prayer that that is so similar to traditional prayer that the person then automatically reverts back to the way they were taught in their traditional uh, spiritual upbringing. So uh, a person has to be focused in the beginning of learning it this way, uh, to be very focused and have the conviction that this is the best way to pray. Yes, yes. That's been my experience as well. And when I teach prayer, I actually just recently, uh, Paul, taught earlier this year uh, Raymond Charles Barker's book, Treat Yourself to Life. And Oh, my for, God, I haven't heard his name in years. He, he was amazing. Yes, yes. He was a, a really good friend of Johnny Coleman's, and she would oh, talk wow. about him so often. But anyway, uh, as she said, he was a straight shooter. She loved it because she was just like him. And uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so as I'm as I'm teaching the book online on Zoom, and I had a you know decent amount of students. I mean, it was probably you know you know maybe around sixty folks or so. And you know, as we went through the the book over and over again, it was to recondition the subconscious around what people understood prayer to be, and he just kept you know, saying, okay, as you said, prayer as we teach it is is so f- different than how you learn prayer p- possibly in other religious practices that I'm just going to separate it out and call it spiritual mind treatment. We're going to treat for this. We're going to treat for that. And it was an eye-opening experience for many of my students. I mean, I was glad that I was led to, to teach that book in particular. So as you're doing prayer, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the other aspects of prayer and their importance, particularly meditation and sitting in the silence. Okay, so uh, I'm, I'm going to put this in two contexts. First of all, prayer is something unity offers to the world. It is, I would call it, our, our primary teaching or practice we offer to the world. However, the foundational practice that is fundamental to prayer is meditation. I, I tell people, if you're not meditating, you're not serious about your spiritual growth. You're not sure, uh, you're not committed to this, this idea of raising your consciousness, raising the overall quality of your thoughts and feelings. And so meditation is, is foundational. And and, and that is our primary personal practice. You see the distinction? Prayer is what we mm-hmm. offer to the world. Uh, meditation is something I do for myself or we do for ourselves. And there's so many types of meditation. It's like saying the word boat. And boat can mean an aircraft carrier or a kayak, you know, everything in between. So yes. in, in unity, Charles and Myrtle called their type of meditation, practicing the silence. Mm -hmm. And so in the meditation type I learned was uh, transcendental meditation, which is all about getting into this state we call the silence, which is, for me, a state of total non-awareness. I kind of go bye-bye to my human thoughts and to the world around me for a while. 
And what I say what's happening in there, though I don't know for sure, is, is my humanity is syncing up with my divinity when I'm in the silence, when I'm in meditation. Now, mm-hmm. while I'm meditating, I, I might become aware of a thought, and if it's a really good one, I, I just stop and write it down because I know if I go right back into the silence, when I'm done with the meditation, I'm not going to remember what that bright idea was. And yeah. so, and so uh, we, we do get inspiration from being in the silence, but it's not a God outside of us inspiring ourselves. It's in, inspiration arriving out of, out of the synchronization between my human consciousness and my divinity. Beautiful, beautiful. I want to give callers an opportunity or listeners the opportunity to call in if you so desire the number is 816-251-3555 816-251-3555 you have a question for the reverend dr paul hasselbeck a unity scholar new thought scholar author speaker minister all around good guy if you have a question for paul <laughs> call in <laughs> You know, the best ones there is the all-around good gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Paul, I want to talk a little bit, you know, and we've laid a foundation with prayer to shift into uh, prosperity. Uh, looks like we might have a caller soon, but, um, but, uh, okay. as I, we, you know, we, I can, I can, I can change gears on a heartbeat. So, okay. Okay. Cause want I just to want to it. see, I'll um, follow your lead up. Yeah. So, depending on if this caller is screened and, and put through the system in time. Um, okay. What I want to do either before or after is, first of all, define prosperity. Oh, the caller's been screened, so let me pop on in, okay? okay. I'm going to bring him in. Okay. Hello, Donald. How are you doing? Great, Reverend McDowell. Uh, just wanted to thank you again for bringing back uh, Reverend Dr. Hasselbeck, and uh, I do have a question, Reverend Dr. Hasselbeck. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Will you please call me Paul? Oh, excellent. And actually, uh, my question is about Apostle Paul. <laughs> so. Okay, so that's funny. So, <laughs> okay. so what I say when people bring up the Apostle Paul, mm-hmm. I say that the Apostle Paul was the real Paul, and I'm the faux Paul. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, in, <laughs> I like that. Well, with the Apostle Paul, I, I wanted to know if you can uh, elaborate on or on the point of justification through faith. Oh wow! What an amazingly deep question. So, uh, so I think what what the Apostle Paul was saying and how we would understand it in new thought is distinct. And so, uh, of course, we metaphysically interpret the Bible, so that makes perfect sense. So, so uh, Paul was talking about uh, justification based on faith or the belief in or, or the conviction of God. And, and we must remember that Paul was a Jew and fundamentally, and that he was probably referring to a deity or an entity outside of himself. And so, so in that sense, it's getting justification from an outside source. In new thought justification, 
through faith is having the conviction, knowing that I know the entirety of the divine is right here at the point of me, at the point of my awareness. And so, so that justification then for, for me comes from that faith, faith in the divine. Awareness, faith in the divine. Excellent. Yes, yes, yes. So awareness is like the simplest, um, the simplest definition of consciousness for me. Right. So, it's, would you mind if I ask you a second question? Absolutely not. Okay. Um, in New Thought, what's the teaching on the second coming of Jesus? Ah. Uh, so, this is where we get into the metaphysics. So Jesus represents metaphysically our divinity on one level. And so so the first coming of Jesus is our human awareness that there is this divinity, okay? And then the the second coming of Jesus is when we get at that conviction that, wait a minute, there is that in me that is the divine. You see, Charles Schomer said, uh, I'm not going, I can, just, I can just tell you what he said. He said, the I am is the name of our spiritual self as distinct from our human self. And so that second coming is when, when the awareness of our divinity moves from that uh, first awakening that, oh, wait, maybe I am divine where we have it as, at an intellectual level. Mm-hmm. And then that second coming is when we have it in that mind, heart, I know that I know that I am point. I am divine. I am human. Excellent. And uh, the way you explain it is really just easy to understand. So thank you so much. Whew, I'm glad it was easy. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate you, and I'll continue to listen to him. Thank you so much. Thank you Thanks, for Donald. your call. You're welcome. Thanks, Donald. God bless. So, yeah, we have about four minutes before um, we have to go to the break, Paul. But um, okay. as I was mentioning before Donald called, I want to talk a little bit about Unity's, in particular, point of view around prosperity. That's the first question. And... And then the second question is, is, do you feel as though there is a, a difference or even a, a slight tweak from how Charles and Myrtle Fillmore taught prosperity in the early New Thought days versus some of their um, contemporaries? Oh, wow. I got to tell you, this is like opening up a, a wonderful can of worms or dropping into a black hole. <laughs> okay, so uh, fundamentally, prosperity is based on a principle. It's called abundance, the principle of abundance. And so that principle permeates everything. It's everywhere present in its entirety. So it's right there at the point of you, Galen, and the point of me, and every listener. It's, it's everywhere at every point in space. So that's the first thing. 
then there's this other cool twist that I got from Charles, but I don't know where, is that when we say principle, that's a synonym for divine idea. So there's, there's this divine idea of abundance. And, and so why is that important? So every idea, whether it's a human idea or a divine idea, can be used an infinite number of times by an infinite number of people to manifest an infinite number of results without ever being used up or changed. I want to say that again because this is really important. Every idea, whether a divine idea or a human idea, can be used by an infinite number of people an infinite number of times to manifest an infinite number of something without ever being used up or changed. Now, those qualities of a divine idea, which is also a principle, don't those qualities demonstrate abundance? They do to me. And so that's why he said a fundamental principle of the divine is abundance. And so we have an abundance of divine ideas and human ideas at our fingertips. And it's up to us to claim them and to use them. And that's how, then, we demonstrate prosperity, intentional prosperity. But let's be clear, Dalen, you and me, every human being has something like 37.2 billion cells. And they're going through chemical operations, they're reproducing, they're multiplying. Our body, your body, is a living, a living demonstration of abundance. And right. that just boggles my mind. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Paul, we have about 30 seconds or so before the, before the break. So when we come back from the break, I do want to talk about maybe some uh, how Charles and Myrtle Fillmore taught prosperity and then how it might have slightly been different, because I do have a belief that it's that there are, there are some tweaks, uh, but I just want to get your opinion on okay, how... Okay, I have uh, a few myself. <laughs> <laughs> how some of their contemporaries taught prosperity. As some, um, so we're going to take... Well, we have about 15 seconds, so we're going to take this break for about three minutes or so, and they're going to play the commercials, and I'll be right back... And we will discuss these basic principles. We'll be right back. Fantastic. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie, and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. 
Welcome back to Truth Transform. Before we start, let me give my quick commercial for Christ Universal Temple business. Uh, we're again in our 65th anniversary, and um, we have guests this month, uh, this, uh, this upcoming Sunday. We'll have virtually uh, the president of the Universal Foundation for Better Living, the Reverend Dr. Sheila McKeithen. Oh, yeah. The Sunday the Sunday after that, we have uh, a very close friend and a, and a person who was mentored by uh, Reverend Coleman, uh, Reverend Henry Hardy. On the fourth Sunday, we're going to have an anniversary concert. Our music department, along with guests, will entertain and inspire us with music. On the fifth Sunday, October 31st, I'll be pre- preaching about the prosperous community. So the theme of this month is the beloved community based upon the words of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And we're looking at Christ Universal Temple as a beloved community and what all of those things mean. We also will have a prayer day on October 30th, and uh, our speaker will be the Reverend Shirley Lawson. So we're doing some things. We want to make sure that you're tuning in, you're checking in and doing what you got to do to make it work. I know some people on the class have asked me in my uh, DMs about my Prosperity Ten Commandments class, which is a Unity Classic text. I've already taught two classes already. If that's something you want to get into, this is probably the last day you can get in because you can only miss two classes. You can call the Christ Universal Temple Act for the Johnny Coleman Institute. Just call 773-568-1770, 773-568-1770. So um, if you're trying to get in, but you need to do that before 3 p.m. today. Anyway, all right. So I'm going back to the question, Paul. Uh, but Paul, before you do that, could you let people know how they can get in contact with you, your website information? Oh, sure, sure. My website is Paul Hasselbeck. Dot com. That's where you can find my weekly blog, which is called The Absolute Word. Uh, Unity World Headquarters has given me permission to, to take the Sunday Daily Word and turn it into more absolute and oneness language. And then you'll find mostly my calendar, which tells me, tell, will tell you where I'm speaking and teaching around the country and that's all still virtual, so I'm grateful for that. And um, I have a podcast, Metaphysical Romp 2, that's found at metaphysicalromp2.com. That's podcast I co-host with the Reverend Dr. Bill and Cher Holton. And we recently heard that it's the, it's the 20th most popular metaphysical broadcast of all podcasts. So we were pretty thrilled by that. And then you can reach me directly at alberthasselbeck at gmail.com. alberthasselbeck at gmail.com. Albert is my legal first name. Paul is my middle name. And so I use them both just in different situations. So that's how you can get a hold of me. I'm happy to interact with uh, friends and strangers that become friends from around the country. Beautiful, beautiful. So I wanted to go back to the question about how did, first of all, how did Charles and Myrtle Fillmore teach prosperity and how and how it might have maybe conflicted slightly with how some of their contemporaries in the New Thought Movement taught prosperity? Well, so, I, I, uh, yes, there, there might be a conflict. I would call it a, dis, 
distinction. And I think it's always important for us to honor our founders and also recognize that they were contemporaries of their own time and they had their own understanding. And new thought is not something static and changing. It's something that must grow as our consciousness grows, as our overall awareness grows, as well as whatever is informing us uh, from the realm of science. So um, Myrtle and Charles, uh, in their time, they were very literal that, that our thoughts, create something in our bodies and beyond our bodies, almost without doing anything. And uh, I think they got this notion because of our history. Myrtle sat in prayer and meditation for two years and used the affirmation, I'm not a child of God and therefore I do not inherit sickness. And so she cured herself of what she thought was an inherited sickness, an inherited weakness. And so they then took that to mean we could do the same thing in the outer realm. And even though Myrtle was taking action, uh, that action piece sometimes has gotten lost in the teaching. And that's not because of Myrtle and Charles. It's because of what people, people did with it. So today, I, I am really clear that my thoughts and feelings directly impact my physical body. And my physical body directly impacts my consciousness. And so that's a two-way street, not a one-way street. So that's a distinction. And then in order for something to happen beyond my body, it's not automatic. It takes action. And we take action by, first of all, becoming aware of ideas and implementing those ideas. And... I think that's probably the major, major distinction. And they taught some things like the law of tithing as an actual spiritual law, a law of mind. And I call it a really good rule or a really good practice. But it's not a spiritual law because I can choose to tithe or not to tithe. Whereas in true spiritual law, true laws of mind, you have no option. It's just how it works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about, um, around this concept of prosperity, around uh, Charles Fillmore's uh, concept of um, omnipresent substance being the, uh, or the use of omnipresent substance as being the method through which we experience abundance. Oh, yeah. So uh, thank you for that question, Galen, because substance is one of those words that's pretty much misunderstood. When he's talking about omnipresent substance, where substance is with an S, capital S, <clears throat> I, I capitalize every word that's a synonym for God. He was referring to substance, uh, and he was referring to God, because he said, Substance is the underlying idea that lies back of everything. So everything that exists, everything that's changeable, lying back of it is a divine idea, or we could call it a principle. 
And so this omnipresent substance is another way of saying omnipresent God or omnipresent divine ideas or omnipresent principles. And at the top of the show, <laughs> I'm going to just modify Eric Butterworth's quote, omnipresent substance is everywhere present at every point in space at the same time. Or uh, omnipresent substance is present in its entirety at every point in space all at the same time. Which is to say, every divine idea there is is present and available to each of us. However, we've got to be aware of them to use them consciously. We've gotten really good at using them unconsciously, but we need to get good at using them consciously. Yes, yes. So when we're discussing uh, prosperity, I'm just going back to an old Johnny Coleman statement, where she would say, um, there's no difference between one penny and one million dollars in God. And from her perspective, demonstration was demonstration. It's never on God. It's always on our consciousness and yes. and our yes. actions. Um, yes. You know, and, and that statement would always push me back to the book Prosperity with Charles Fremont when he would talk about, you know, uh, you know, the substance of God never runs out. It, 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 you know, all the things that you mentioned earlier about an idea is unlimited. Yep. It can't wear right. out. Many, many, many people basically can use it as need and it, and it's, it's an inexhaustible resource. Yep. And, you know, it, it just makes me think around the concept of prosperity, just something uh, that uh, she would often say, because she was a pure Fillmorean. I don't know if you knew her or not, but she was a pure Fillmorean. Yeah, um, and I would say a pure absolutist as well. Yes, very, very much so. Uh, yeah. And she would just challenge us and she would say, how big is your God? How big is yeah. your God? Yeah. To challenge us to start re realizing that limitation never comes from God. Absolutely true. That that, that is by itself truth. was a game changer. Yeah. How big is your God? And often, you know, when when I bump into stuff and you know, and those other conversations start going off in your brain, I'll just stop and say to myself, "Okay, how big is my God?" Right. And we gotta we gotta we gotta hear that in the context of how I believe Johnny Coleman meant it. Right. Because you could hear the phrase, how big is your God, from a traditional point of view. Is your right. outside God big enough to take care of you? She's right. saying is, how big is your faith and conviction and awareness of what the divine is? Right, right, right. That's, and that's a, that's a big deal. Yes, yes. You know, so uh, I can remember there were times when um, – it was a, one time when Catherine Ponder came to the church. Catherine Ponder and Johnny were actually in ministerial school together. And Oh, my Lord, I did not know that. That's yes, amazing. Yes, matter of fact, I'll text you the Woo. picture. Um, I'll text you a picture of them together in, uh, in their graduation class. Wow. I actually have uh, I have to just go through my phone and find it, but I actually have it. Okay. And, you know. Fantastic. Love, <laughs> so, love to see it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, wow. you know, they were really close friends. Matter of fact, every time Catherine Ponder would write a book, Johnny would bring her in, 
teach, allow Catherine to teach the book from her pulpit, and then Johnny would teach the book chapter by chapter as a series. Fantastic. So in CUT days, especially in the 60s, 70s, and, uh, and early 80s, Catherine Ponder was everywhere because Johnny Coleman made sure that her buddy's books got taught. And when she needed books, hey, Catherine, I'm going to do a series on one of your books, Prospering Power of Love. Catherine Ponder would just send 3,500 books with no charge. Yeah, just she was. She was amazingly generous like that. Yes. You know, it, yeah, yeah. It, it was just amazing. But one of the things that Catherine Ponder mentioned was that she emphasized prosperity so strongly in her early um, unity days, um, along with Johnny, that at times, even in the movement, people thought that she was, and Johnny, uh, Johnny and Catherine were overemphasizing prosperity teachings. I don't know if you ever bumped into that or not. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I do hear that. But here's, here's, here's why people misunderstand that, Steve. It's because people are hyper-focused on outer prosperity. Mm-hmm. The primary prosperity we are looking for is, is a, a prosperity consciousness. It's a an abundance of using divine ideas according to law. It's growing our consciousness, growing our awareness. That's, that's what, uh, even if you read Charles Fillmore's Prosperity and you look close enough, he's talking about it being all about consciousness because he says what God gives you, quote unquote, what God gives you is divine ideas. He doesn't mm-hmm. give you a Cadillac or anything right. like that. And, and you know, Galen, I want to go back to another point because I think this is where we get in, we can get in trouble. So it's true that the degree in which we can use these principles is based on our current level of consciousness. However, to manifest anything, we have to limit an unlimited idea to something specific. I'm going to say mm-hmm. that again. In order to manifest anything, we have to limit an unlimited idea to something specific and then go about taking action to do it. So for me, the problem isn't limitation. It's either over-limitation or erroneous limitation that gives us those untoward results. Because look, in our divinity, we're infinite. Right. In our humanity, we're finite. Right. You couldn't be here, Galen, as a personality and body if at some point you were not limiting these infinite ideas to the specific specificity of Reverend Galen and what his body looks like. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. so we got to get over our allergy of the word limitation and, and realize that we have to consciously, more consciously, limit and shape and mold ideas in order to then manifest from them. Yes, yes. I often say when I'm presenting, God is no th- thing, so God can be anything and everything. Yes. You know, and I often emphasize no thing instead of nothing because people hear nothing yep. and their brains just go somewhere else. Yes. So I just yes. say so no I say, thing. Yes, so I say God is no 
thing with the infinite possibilities of being anything. And you get to determine what that anything is. Yes, yes. Paul, you like my uh, brother from another mother. No. <laughs> well, I told you a long time ago. I think that's true. <laughs> so, so before we wrap up in these last uh, nine minutes or so, I want to talk about uh, spiritual healing because, you know, in the last show you shared about your spiritual healing. Um, when I first got into the New Thought Movement, um, I used these principles espoused by the Unity Movement, the UFBL and CUT, uh, which are the same thing to uh, heal myself from uh, asthma, severe asthma that almost killed me. And so spiritual healing is dear to my heart. And, you know, so much so, just to give some context, I was talking with someone yesterday and um, he was mentioning to me, he's like, you know, you can get the the booster shot for Pfizer if you want, because um, I had the Pfizer vaccination. And uh, I said, well, no, I, don't, I, said, I wouldn't qualify for the booster shot. He's like, well, you can because I can because I have asthma and, and you have asthma. I was like, I don't have asthma. What are you talking about? <laughs> and my friends <laughs> couldn't comprehend what he was saying. <laughs> uh, I was like, I haven't had an asthmatic episode since 1993. I was like, my last two doctors don't even have that in their records. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, that's a really great story. <laughs> my, my my brain literally if you, i was in my car driving if you could have saw the look on my face when he said that i was i was i was offended like what not offended at him because he's a really good friend but from the standpoint yeah. of have you been paying attention to this like i wouldn't yeah. lower my consciousness to get something just i wouldn't lower myself to i have asthma to go get a shot Right, I, you know, I can't the, do uh, that because for the last twenty-eight uh, years, I've been holding the line with no symptoms. Right, right, and and the, our Christian scientist uh, cousin called that aggressive mental suggestion, yeah. and you could have taken that thought on and yeah. and activated that thought, activated that belief, and and maybe had a reappearance of asthma. But you said, hell no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's really know. what my face said. I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "I don't have asthma." What are you talking? I was like, literally, oh. like, "What are you talking about?" I don't have asthma because it's so out of my consciousness. I only tell the testimony to help people because I'm yes, done with absolutely. it. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, and my testimony is a little bit distinct from yours. Um, just to bring people up to speed, in my dental practice in 1987, I slipped with an instrument and infected my, uh, myself with HIV, and my doctor said I'd be dead in two years. And at that time, I was fairly new to unity, and I was just coming off a course in miracles. So, so I used what I knew at the time. What I know now uh, is, is greater. But, but the result was, I'm still here. You know, mm-hmm. 30-some years later. And, and the reason why I say it's a little distinct is that, is that if I went off my medicine, the appearance of the HIV may show up. And it might not. We don't, we don't know. So, so I make a real clear distinction that, that a person might con- continue with something of a physical disorder going on, but their consciousness 
is in a state of total well-being. And, and I think that's where I'm at. Yeah, I got to do all this stuff for the HIV diagnosis and all of that, take the meds, blah, blah, blah. But I almost never think about it because I, I see myself and I feel in a state of total well-being. And that's what I want people to get, that, that, that living from a consciousness of well-being is the goal. And that will have an impact on your physical existence. Yes. And I often tell people, if you need to take the medicine, take the medicine. Um, I, I think that, I, I, and I love our more absolute brothers and sisters who, you know, the Joe Goldsmiths and Christian sciences, scientists, et cetera, who are very absolute in their metaphysical practice. Um, I'm of the belief that we should live to fight another day. That's just my belief. I think we're going to change that. We should live to bless another day. I love that. I love that. I'm just using the old metaphor, but I'm going to use bless. I know. I love going that. Forward. I, it, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know wow. and, and, I, I, and one of the, the person who made me realize that probably more than anybody, and I'm not talking about her. I'm just using her as an example, is um, I was very close to the Reverend Dr. Mary Tumpkin. And, oh wow! Uh, very close. There's a great soul as well. Yes, and um, when when she started having challenges, uh, she was at one point. Johnny retired. They brought her in to be an interim minister here to help us until we found a senior permanent senior minister. And I started watching her decline real close, um, even to the point to where you know, because um, I'm a kung fu practitioner. I was, you know, taking my Kung Fu teacher to, to take a teacher Qigong energy meditation methods from that come out of um, Asia, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, you know, doing other practices, et cetera, just to be able to help her with it. Um, but she wanted to make the demonstration without the medicine so badly that I just think that um, she couldn't hear anything else. And when she passed away, I was like, man, what? What did she take with her? That level of knowledge, that yeah. skill, that experience, the love. Um, yeah. It was it was impactful. I'm not going to lie and say it wasn't, you know, um, especially at, at her young age. She was in her early 60s. Wow. So, you know, maybe 64, something like that, around that age. I, I yeah. just share that just to say that you can work with the principles of spouse, the new thought, along with the medical profession. They're not well, contrary to each other. Right. And and medicine is based on science. And science can exist, cannot exist without principle and law. And how does this stuff come about? It comes about by scientists having an idea. Where's the idea? What's the foundation of an idea? Divine idea. And so so acting like Science and medicine is separate from the divine is metaphysical malpractice as far as I'm concerned. Yes, yes. Um, And again, we're going to live to bless another day. Yes, we're going to live to bless another day. And hopefully hopefully another person or two or three. Yes, absolutely. Because, um, you know, one of the things that I realize in a real way is, um, you know, we're connected in many ways. I feel as though life is sort of like a weed 
in the sense that when you pull the weed up, sometimes you start seeing roots that are connected to other things. You pull yeah. out something small and you realize it has another three or four feet worth of roots. We're connected yeah. to people. You know, yeah. something happens to me, it affects my wife, it affects my daughter, it affects my uh, stepdaughter, it affects my siblings, it affects my dad, it, it affects people. And, yeah. you know, so when I don't, if not when, if I don't take care of me, it doesn't just affect me. If I don't take care of my health, if I don't have a consciousness of wholeness and do the things as I'm led by spirit to do to maintain that wholeness, then yeah. I'm not only affecting myself, I'm affecting other people. I'm affecting the church community in which I'm a spiritual leader in. It makes it, brother. a difference. And when yes. I see spiritual leaders not taking care of themselves, and I'm just going to, we got one minute, so I just want to just close with this, Paul. Uh, many years ago, I was at an INTA training, and Paul Vigeon, who's now the, not Paul, uh, Edward Vigeon, who's now the leader of uh, CSL, he said, if God is life and the ministry is slowly killing you, then something is wrong. <laughs> this was, That's a great comment. Yeah. 2000, that was 2008, and that statement yeah. has never left my mind. If yeah. God is life and the ministry is slowly killing you, then something is wrong. Yeah, so, and the first shift is personal responsibility. And you are slowly killing yourself in your ministry. That's what's really happening. Yes, yes, absolutely. So we got to wrap it up, Paul. We have about 20 okay. seconds left. Okay, thank you, brother. So so I, let me just say thank you for coming on the show. As always, you have an open invitation. Anytime you want to do something, just give me a call and let me know, hey, I got a book, I got this, whatever. Let me know. I'll do that. And we're gonna we're gonna make it rock and roll. So, thank you, audience, and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. God bless. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.